Hello, um, I'm Rachel and this offering is a letter on devotion plus a short meditation on a rare breed of eagles. I started a monthly offering around three years ago with 15 subscribers, they were all friends. Um, it was a modest start, but for a person who had spent most of their life writing in secret, I basically had what I thought of as realistic goals of growing a healthy readership, which doesn't really exist, but I was like, that's not too, you know, my, my aim wasn't too high. And all the, you know, the lovey-dovey stuff of developing connections and speaking with like-minded people or at least people who take an interest in the ideas and stories I write about. So yeah, I remember at the beginning of my journey here saying something like, I'm not deluded into thinking that I will have millions of followers overnight. I was never under any grand illusion that the world was or is fair in any way. Um, yeah. And I'm generally aware that just wanting something to be is not enough. Willpower isn't everything. Uh, something my my father used to say a lot uh, was, you can't get blood out of a stone. Sometimes the answer will always be no. So yeah, uh, taking all of that in mind, I felt prepared. Even knowing that it would take a great deal of work mental flexibility and an immovable sense of core values to develop my first readership goal remember my healthy readership goal of 1000 subscribers within two years i had run through the general practicalities of essentially investing most of my time writing for free with no guarantees of ever really making money from my work. Uh, I talked it through on many, many occasions uh, with Raf for a year or two before I even started, especially about the challenges we would be looking at. And we agreed that if writing was one of the great loves of my life, then I better give it a bloody good go. <laughs> And besides, uh, I would make a side income with tarot readings uh, and, uh, you know, managing tattoo schedules. Uh, so I guess, dare I say, uh, I really did and will continue to do so for reasons that could be explained in psychological vernacular, but I really did give it a go. Uh, um, but the truest reason is just because I feel that I have to. Uh, which is the teenager's answer, but you know, there you go. Um, up until around July 2023, I had devoted two to three weeks each month to reading, writing, and researching for every monthly offering on Substack and my Instagram. Um, a lot of those materials as well were like, 
psychological papers or uh yeah uh psycho uh psychological textbooks and things like this um so yeah for the first 18 months i commissioned paintings from some of my favorite artists uh to have personalized cover art for each episode some traded for money weed or tarot readings i took classes with a tarot reader and social worker to develop my listening skills and get to grips with trauma-informed care. Um, I worked at exhibitions, festivals, and even markets as a tarot reader. Uh, so my point here is that I didn't do nothing uh, and I didn't leave it up to the gods or, you know, just manifest. Um, I reached out and touched faith just like the song says and after 18 months i was barely at 30 substack subscribers and slowly over time i had allowed my self-esteem to be reduced to a set of numbers and phrases such as cracking the algorithm brand building and verified accounts get priority you know this jargon if you spend any time on social media I avoided meeting up with friends or visiting Raf at the tattoo shop because somewhere in all of that excitement and hope to connect with others and share some of the most meaningful and personal thoughts I've ever had really, uh, I felt like a stupid tragic failure and worse, like my mind was kind of useless um, and I was in fact a terrible writer and on top of that uh, I'm turning 35 this year, so my life is basically over. So, you know, uh, happy days. So I didn't feel much like people asking me how work was going because it usually always came down to numbers. And for a while, that made me so fucking angry. And that anger obviously came from shame. By January 2023... My readership numbers per offering ranged from 100 to 400. Uh, I guess you could say I got second wind and thought it was grounds for me to experiment more with my work and try different ways of approaching the page. Um, at present, I think I have 49 <laughs> subscribers on this platform, some of whom I speak with either regularly or a few times a year. From what I can gather, something about my work resonates with them on a personal level. Uh, these people are a big part of why I still share my work here. Despite the numbers telling me to literally give the fuck up and work as someone's personal assistant or something like that. Uh, but for some reason, I can't tell you why. And at this point, I wouldn't argue with anyone about being seen as delusional for this. But I still have hope that I can earn a half-decent living as a writer. Uh, I randomly think Raf does too, which honestly, Lord above bless him for that. <laughs> anyway, so I keep a bundle of quotes in a metal biscuit tin on my desk. Here's one from Tony Morrison for now. Um, kind of just depersonalizes the whole thing because uh, sometimes when you share your work, well, actually all of the time, you get very like it hurts if you people don't take it well and so sometimes it's good to understand that it's 
not anything against you a lot of the time what people want seeing it it's just that's the way it is uh and yeah it's grounds to work differently to i guess make more people see your work but anyway the quote from tony morrison is i am not my work and further that my work is not just my experience but rather a questing forward from experience Mm. So a few years back, uh, when I was working with a psychologist for the first five to ten minutes of each week's session, she would ask me to clarify my values. Uh, the things in life I felt were important for meaning-making, purpose, happiness, I guess. Uh, we would do this so that I could become more aware of when my actions may be contradicting what I claim to be precious. Uh, this is a very long-winded way of explaining that my recent break from sharing was partly to do this in private. I wanted to fall back in love with writing again because writing had been the constant companion my whole life. Uh, this is the husband I will never be able to be, never be able to divorce, so to speak. Uh, and I had let unfavorable numbers make me feel for the first time in my life as if writing was my enemy, the thing that caused me pain because I had these things I was finally ready to share and I felt like no one would ever care. Uh, if you ask Raf, he will vouch for me crying after almost every offering I have released, which, uh, yeah, it took its toll on both of us. Um, and I don't really know that I'm not the only person in the world to do this or care this much or be disappointed. Uh, but that's partly why this writing exists, to reach out into a massive void and articulate that and communicate it uh, via the most common and played out stories that somehow bind us together um, and incidentally rip us away from one another too. Uh, I don't think social media is a big bad wolf either. Uh, it, I think it's a massive ongoing experiment in communication. And one thing I wonder about sometimes is how the brain goes from being able to tolerate knowing no more than 150 different people in a lifetime to billions. Um, Ocean Vuong said in an interview once, I may be alone in thinking this, but I truly don't believe that a writer should just keep writing as long as they're alive. I see my career not by how much I can produce, but by how the work can get me to where I can meaningfully stop and be satisfied with what I've done. I'm more interested in stopping well rather than endlessly creating. Um, which made me kind of think about most of what is being created and shared now is generally speaking more disposable. Uh, its lifespan is little more than 24 hours which might be hard to swallow if your particular craft isn't something that can be rushed or aesthetically pushed in a pleasing way online. Um, I heard someone in an interview respond to this point recently. He said something like, I want to read the books and watch the movies that will go on forever, that were built to last. Um, and I recently read On Writing by Stephen King and towards the end of this memoir and guide to writing, uh, he offers us this. Um, writing isn't about making money, getting famous, getting dates, getting laid, or making friends. 
In the end, it's about enriching the lives of those who will read your work and enriching your own life as well. Which is all good and well, Stephen, but you are a famous writer who makes a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's not a criticism. <laughs> I think I'd say something like that too, if I were him to his credit. Uh, because it, it really is about making the work. Like, otherwise, you just wouldn't try to do it with this thing. Like, writing is one of the hardest crafts to make money out of in the entire world. Um, but yeah, it was a helpful book on the craft. Um, and I always remind myself that, like I said, no one is forcing me to write a gunpoint. Um, it, it, it's just reality. Higher numbers in the right places tend to carry or dish out status points and adoration, which most creatures, even bees, desire and care about. And I am not fighting that. <laughs> I know that it is inevitable. It just makes sense. Um, what I am interested in is how in both scenarios, receiving low engagement or high engagement in your work can sort of leave you feeling empty either way. Uh, from what I know and what I've heard from people I respect a great deal, uh, I think David Lynch put it best in his biography when he said, and I'm really paraphrasing here, so I'll probably butcher it, but um, he says something like, you kind of only die once from a bruised ego if you make something and it doesn't land. People just don't get it or care but you die twice if you do something that goes against your values and what feels like truth to you and it bombs uh, anyway in the spirit of all of the above i let my curiosity guide me this week so uh, if you had a weird sound there that was my leg rubbing on the thing it wasn't uh, a bowel movement <laughs> i don't know anyway uh yeah so below is the first meditation of seven um, that I have been working on to relax, uh, haha, and concern myself only with learning and shaping language in a way that makes life feel more beautiful or something a bit wanky like that. Um, yeah, next month's one is uh, on a rare breed of pigs. Uh, I think the whole series, from what I've written so far, is going to be about rare breeds of animals. Uh, but we'll see. So. Haunting the steep, rugged terrain on the northeast coast of Luzon, from the foothills of Mount Gugua, elevated 1,000 meters above sea level, along the Sierra Madre mountain range the longest reaching in the Philippines. The body of a giant Philippine eagle, the natives have crowned Lord of the Forest, clutches a branch belonging to a maze of oaks, laurels and myrtles, before shaking his shaggy head crest and swooping through thick mists through an ocean of vines, cascading over layers and layers of ferns, shaped like long spiked stars, violet shocks of orchids, their colours thrusting through the darkness, mossy tree trunks shining when shined upon, roots exposing themselves all over the floor. 
Courtship begins with the male chasing the female in the air. If she is receptive to his charms when presenting her with his talons, she will instinctively flip over onto her back mid-air to reveal hers too. If they both find each other beautiful, they will build a nest together and live off the fat of the land. After finding their love for life, their quest for blood intensifies. When hunting in tandem, one distracts and deceives, whilst the other does some murdering. Every two years, the female, who is generally larger than her male, lays an egg, and for the next 20 months, they raise, care, and kill for their child. In less than a year, a juvenile eagle learns the art of killing, possessing claws capable of ripping an animal carcass apart in moments. Over 100 years after the first recorded sighting of the Philippine eagle, their patterns of living escapes human knowledge. Ancient myth speaks of these raptors inhabiting a hidden town in northern Samar, Beringan, an undefined location that locals believe to be a portal to another world where mythic cities of indescribable grandeur exist. On moonless nights, people claim to see cities' lights in the distance. Kalbiga is a city with a complex system of 12 caves and the largest cave system in Southeast Asia, with most of, most of it yet to be explored. As well as rumours of ghosts, people have seen bats, cave crickets, eyeless fish, cave spiders, crabs, and the ancient Egyptians saw birds as the incarnation of the vital breath. The myths reveal to us sightings of mysterious hawk-like birds with human heads clutching in their claws the symbols of immortality. Supposedly, they would fly over the mummified bodies of the dead, becoming hovering emblems of the liberated soul. The stories we tell ourselves shape our lives over time. They hold power to free, trap and enchant us. Below are some words I've been holding on to lately. They stoke the fire in me, more than the ones I consistently bumped into from reading a dozen or so articles on how to market myself not long ago. Uh, and when I have words that I like, I just kind of slyly research them and see them in things that I read all of the time. And the words so far this month are devotion, worship, and tenderness. Hearths are a symbol of nourishment, 
of what feels like home. And so far, I kind of like the idea that I am performing something mythic with the ritual of sharing. Each month I throw an offering into Goddess Hesha's ancient flaming hearth. And I guess like to end, realistically, our creativity owes us nothing. Uh, Author and blogger Seth Godin uh, has asked a worthwhile question in a newsletter I read recently. What would you do if you knew you would fail? Um, I won't end with something like that. I'll leave you with some funny things I've overheard whilst riding the overground in London recently. Uh, I usually keep a note of things uh, when I'm out and about because it's good to uh, have stuff for dialogue (laughs) uh, when writing stories. But yeah, uh, my three favourite things, I guess, uh, that I heard recently. Everybody is sad about something. some of the loneliest people are in relationships and lastly you are always going to make the wrong decision um yeah so thanks for being here and if you like this work uh sharing and subscribing goes a long way but that's cool thank you man bye